Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast normally about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, no one knows why she dresses in tinfoil. It's my sister, Marissa. And I'll never tell. (laughs) I thought we were going to find out. I did too. I was like, the the one thing I care about in this movie is the resolution of the plot point of why Joan Cusack dresses in tinfoil, and I never got it. I mean, that is, that's one of the mysteries. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Now that The Good Place is on hiatus, we're getting into the holiday spirit by watching some ridiculous made-for-TV Christmas movies. This week, we watched Netflix's Let It Snow, starring Shamik Moore from Into the Spider-Verse. I did not realize that before I queued it up, and I'm, like, listening to him talk, being like, wow, his voice sounds... He looks... I was like, I can't place his face at all, but wow, his voice sounds familiar. Then I Googled it, and I was like, Miles. (laughs) That's Spider-Verse, though. I saw his name, and I was like, oh, I know who that guy is. Also starring uh, the girl who played Sally Draper on Mad Men. And... I've never seen Mad I don't know what that means, even. Okay. Uh, Don Draper's daughter. And oh, Joan Cusack in a tinfoil hat. So, you know, the gang's all here. Joan? Are you okay, Joan? I, I have a lot of questions about why Joan Cusack did this movie and maybe what her state of mind was. Uh, around the filming because are you okay, Joan? Is a, a valid I, uh, let question. us not lest we forget Darcy Carden in a cameo. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, I got very excited when she showed up, and she was also, terrible. Not a terrible actress. No, no, she her character was a terrible person. Yeah. Who else is in this movie? The best friend from uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. So we have Sony and Marvel Spider-Man facing off. (laughs) Shameik Moore is very cute. He is adorbs. (laughs) Um, He kind of looks like Miles Morales. (laughs) I think it's pretty common that animated movies will kind of try to model the character on the voice actor. Yeah. I didn't know who any of the other people were, though. I had to look. I had to look up all their names because... There were too many people in this movie. <laughs> this movie had one too many plot lines. I agree. I one agree. too many plot lines. We'll get into it though. Um, before I mean, if you get... thought your if you thought your white person facial blindness was challenged <laughs> by to all the what, boys to all the boys I've loved before, strap in for this production, <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah, Netflix casting really needs to like. They need to figure some stuff out because there were a lot. I did. I had some. I had some serious white person facial blindness in this movie. By the way, this happened to me uh, twice in a single day in real life this week. I was in a very long meeting, and I like two or three hours into this meeting, I said, "Uh, you know, uh, didn't the gentleman over there say something about X Y Z?" And he kind of was like, uh, "I don't remember saying anything like that, but it's true that blah blah blah." And then the guy who had actually said it was like. After, like, five minutes of this was like, well, it was me. I just wanted to see how the other guy would respond. And I was like, okay, that (laughs) was that necessary? And also, you've super embarrassed me in front of everybody. Oh, no. And then later, and this is, like, two beardy white dudes. And I didn't know either of them. I'd never met either of them. So I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I've got, they're just a beardy white dude. I don't know, man. And then (laughs) later that day, I was at daycare pickup. And I was picking up my kid. And I ran into, like, a white dad and I mistook him for a different white dad. And I was like, how's that thing with the, you know, X, Y, Z? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really heard much about that. I was like, I'm taking care of it. Don't you worry. And then later I was like, oh, that's the wrong white dad. That's... <laughs> I thought 
you were going to say, I went to daycare pickup and I picked up the wrong child because they're both white. No, you, it's a special. No. <laughs> when, you, when, when the person comes out of you, it's a different. Although I've been in situations where I've been like, like from behind. I'm like, is that my kid? <laughs> and then they turn around. I'm like, no, no, no. This is a wrong, wrong kid. <laughs> Before, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, oh boy, the white so person, the, the white person facial blindness is strong in this movie, and we're both white, so this is you know. <laughs> um, so you can before we get into all of this, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and a good. Do you play. think if we watched a Tyler Perry movie, we would just have sort of the analogous problem? Maybe. Tyler Maybe. Perry has those really big ensemble cast sometimes. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's why I picked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Or... Maybe there's a Medea Christmas we should watch. <laughs> <laughs> if it's on Netflix, let's give it a shot. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> iTunes, Google Play, goodplay.cast.rocks. Please rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. We are heading into, we're on hiatus now, but we're heading into the latter half of the final season. We would love for more people to join the conversation when we're all sobbing at the finale. So please rate and review to help people find us. You can also follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play, Twitter at The Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. I'm assuming we don't have any emails this week. We don't. And I have some bad news, which is that there don't appear to be any Medea movies <laughs> on Netflix. You know what I just thought about? Hmm? Are what? they going to do a Fighting Temptations Christmas special because it's a... Christian show? Christian show. Great question. Don't know. Don't know, don't care? Or would we not watch it? Watch it? <laughs> Mock it? Watch, watch the last it. five minutes? And then do a whole podcast about the five minutes and just trying to (laughs) spin out stories about what could have possibly happened in the first 25. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So we missed you all last week. We were on hiatus of ourselves for the Thanksgiving holiday. It's good to be back. It's good to be back with uh, our Christmas themed uh, month. We'll also have Star Wars in here at some point for episode nine. Yes, certainly. But shall we dive in? I don't know how you want to handle this because it's a lot. I don't want to go through the seven pages of notes you wrote. That's for sure. Too many characters and a lot of plots. Too many. Too many cooks. Too many cooks. (laughs) I mean, like. A lot of plots. Boy, you guys. So, I mean, so I think we should just sort of break it out by plot line. We can't go chronologically. We'll go crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's one plot line with Miles Morales. And he is a, fam- a famous singer. He's a famous singer named Stuart. Which really makes that. you believe that the John Green book upon which this is based intended that character to be white, right? Is that, is that your sense of it? Oh, it's is kind that, of my sense of it. I didn't know this was based on a book. Yeah, this is based on a John Green book. Okay. You know, of uh, he wrote one good book. What's it called? The Fault in Our Stars. Okay. About dying dying teenagers sure Sure. uh i've read other things of his and they are not good i mean if you love john green like you know no tea no shade but like i i don't find him to be a very skilled author and so yeah this is based on a book of his which this is this is very on brand for john green like teenage sort of drama that 
is pretty inoffensive. Sure. That's sort of how I would summarize the whole whole flick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the fact that the character's name is Stuart certainly leads me to believe that in the John Green version of the world, right, this is a white character. Because I'm also just, my, my thing isn't, isn't even race, although I'm glad they got Shamik Moore because I think he's adorable. My thing is, you know, this guy has a public... If it had been a white boy, we this movie would have been incomprehensible. I, I, I completely <laughs> agree with you. But I also just think, you know, this guy's got a publicist. The first thing that publicist is going to say is you have to change your name because you cannot be a, like, pop sensation in 2019 and be named Stuart. It <laughs> seems maybe that's unlikely. Just me I agree. <laughs> in any case, so there's one plot line where he is a famous singer. So he's like, I don't know, what is he? He's like, um... What's he anal- he like what's his real world analogy? Like um, he's not John Legend. John Legend old no, no, now, no, right? No. Like this guy I mean, is he, young. He's early 20s. He's probably closer to like uh Sean Mendes. Okay. I'm yeah. going to nod and pretend like I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so he's uh you know, he's a famous singer and he's on an Amtrak for some reason it's this is all this whole movie happens within the course of like 12 hours on christmas eve okay yeah he's on an amtrak christmas but it's mostly just snow i think yes the the movie is called let it snow and nobody has any christian sentiments in the course of the movie it's all just in that interfaith we're gonna get to that that is legit hilarious (laughs) (laughs) i laughed yeah so he runs into this girl whose name is julie Julie. Jewel? Julie? Uh, by the way, nobody says their name ever. No one says anybody's name! <laughs> the only reason I could even fathom some of the names was because I had the closed captions on and it would like put like the name and then colon and what they said, right? Yeah! So me I too. sometimes got names from that, but for the most part it was just like, oh, here's this pretty white girl and here's this slightly differently pretty white girl. I had to go the, to IMDb the, 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 when the, I was doing my notes. I had to go to IMDb. The kind of quirky, the kind of quirky pretty white girl. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's kind of two quirky pretty white girls. It's fine. So, I, ha- I had to so go many to IMDb white and, um, and look up the faces of the actors because I was like, who even is? Like, they all just have first <laughs> names that are also, like, most of them are two syllables. Right. And two of the girls have two syllable names that are start with a and end with an ie and i was like you can't do this you can't do this to me john green why (laughs) anyway so uh i've already felt this movie like was almost like erasing itself from my brain as i was watching it it was (laughs) such it it was (laughs) yes it was such like a paper thin wafer and i'm not saying It wasn't entertaining. It was entertaining fine when I watched it. I'm not saying it didn't evoke emotion for me because it did. Like, I teared up a couple times and I definitely laughed. Yeah. So, like, it's not that it was bad. It's not that it wasn't effective in some ways. I'm just saying that it it was so insubstantial that it was (laughs) it was evaporating. It was like trying to lay down a layer of ice over, you know, a hundred degree road. You know, you put that down and just comes yeah. right out the back. <laughs> All right, so Shamik Moore. Yeah, Miles Morales, yeah. Meets Julie. That's how far we've gotten. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, on the train. The train stops. They're allowed to jump off the train. By the way, 100% not allowed to jump off the train. No, that is definitely not a thing. 100% that is, not allowed to Not do allowed. That. Not allowed. 
For I don't even know why she's on this train. Uh, he's like it's getting her from town. I have no idea why she's on this train. Why anyway. is she on a train? <laughs> she, I mean, if she had been revealed to be a ghost, this would actually be kind of a, an amazing <laughs> plot line. But yeah, she's on the train. So she like she like he drops his phone and she gives it back to him, and so now they're like in it together or whatever. But and- she's completely <laughs> unimpressed with him, wants nothing to do with him, and he just sort of follows her. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cute. Odd. It's it's only cute because he's so cute and obviously harmless. Like any yes. so many other men, it would be like, oh my god, get away from her. Yeah, they yeah, go yeah. they go to the the awful house. No town. Waffle House is a real place. Uh, well, that's what I was saying. Waffle House, Waffle Town. So there's no W, so they call it Awful Town. So he follows her there from the train, and they get. Well, I mean, they basically just spend the day together. They get waffles. They go to a hilarious church pageant. So <laughs> I guess we should describe it now because they're the only characters who are there. Yeah, it's legit. It's legit hilarious. It is the most interfaith winter pageant that you can imagine. So at one point, I was they... like, is that a Chinese New Year dragon? <laughs> yes, it was. I love it. It was just like, clump, 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 clump. <laughs> that, I mean, if you're going to watch this, basically fast forward to this scene. <laughs> um, at some point, like, a rabbi presents the baby Jesus to the goddess Lakshmi. Like this. Yeah, so when this first started, I was like, oh... It's kind of nice that they have a rabbi for their nativity scene. Like, that's kind of interesting. And like, you know, you and I, Marissa, had when we were growing up, we had an interfaith Thanksgiving service that we did with uh, our synagogue and then a bunch of local churches in our area. And we would like every year, you know, switch off who hosted. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of a nice nod to like something that I kind of know. And then they just pan, they like... Uh, zoom out and wide out and shot. Out and yeah, there, there are like more. And I was like, "Is that what?" I was like, "Okay, somebody's here for Kwanzaa, and then we've got somebody else who like is a, a Hindu goddess." And you're right, it they, is Lakshmi. Yeah, it's yes, Lakshmi. It's yeah. Lakshmi, and then they have a Chinese New Year lunar lunar New Year dragon. Also, <laughs> it's so great, and and like the wise men, and then regular Jesus as well as baby Jesus. <laughs> we continue to prove our bona fides in terms of how much we know about comparative religions oh my gosh so that's that is legit funny so the deal with julie is that she got into columbia journalism school which Mm -hmm. uh honey i don't think you want to go Two hundred thousand dollars into debt, if not more, for a profession that is dying a fairly hastened death at this point. But you know, you do you. Uh, maybe you can go work at the New Yorker, which is going to be the last publication left standing. Uh, but she doesn't want to go because her mother is undefined sick. She's like undefined mom sickness, right? Yeah. So this is like, I mean, she could have consumption. It's <laughs> Never. It seems like she has like COPD because she's all we see is her coughing. <laughs> but that's not a thing that <laughs> she's like slender and forty five. She doesn't have COPD. <laughs> Just when I when I this is I when I uh, in college uh, I had a roommate for a semester. We were sharing a room and I was I guess I got sick and I was coughing a lot and I was like I have COPD she's like you do not have COPD so that's always the first thing I think of 
Yeah, but we don't ever know. And, and it's she's ma- just she's just undefined sick. It's made. Yeah, Julie makes it out like this could be my last year with her, and so like I don't want to leave. And she doesn't she, look sick enough for that, but who the heck knows? And so, like, when she... I'll be honest, when she says, I've got to go see my mom, because he's, like, just... Shamik Moore is just following her around. <laughs> and she's like, I have to go, okay? I have things to do. And he's like, well, what are you doing? And she's like, I have to go see my mom. I thought she, her mom was going to be in the hospital. In a hospital, yeah. That would have made a lot more sense. I thought that this was going to be, like, a Christmas pageant that, like, the local, like, choir does at the at the hospital or the or like hospice care right but no she just she shows up and she like looks slightly gaunt but it's just like a slender lady with like graying hair and she's totally fine except she has one coughing fit that's it so it's kind of hard to tell in any case yeah you know miles morales hangs around her all day and they have a nice day and his character is never defined i mean that's no. They they do him a disservice here, which is that all he is is like a pop star with a heart of gold and there's an illusion made to that his dad didn't like him liking music and he doesn't have anywhere to go for the holiday. There's also eh. an illusion made to the fact that he didn't have a lot growing up. Yes. But that's so, it. Right. We don't get a lot. He comes right. from poverty and he has no family now, something like that. But we don't really know. Like, we don't. It's very, very glossed over. And it's kind of like, I mean, I, you know, ugh, would have been nice to have some actual character here. But on the other hand, it, this this was like an hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, it felt a little too long to me. So I, I don't yeah. know that I really wanted them to go deeper into this. But I think it, but I think to me, like, just to your point, I think this is the that is the reason why this plot line felt the weirdest to me because he's he's not like everybody else in this story is connected already because they go to school together, they work together, they have friends in common, they're dating each other, they want to date each other, etc. He's the out the the outsider. He's the person who like shows up and is somehow special, but he doesn't really get like we have no idea like why he is on a train in basically rural Illinois uh, or suburban Illinois. Like, we have no idea what's going on with him. And uh, we have no idea why he would be interested in a girl. You know, he spends most of his time being like, oh, I don't want to get recognized, whatever. So, you know, why spend the day, like, out with this girl attracting attention to yourself? Uh, It's very, it it felt a little out of place with the rest of the stories to me, anyway. But I think that's because, like, we don't really know anything about him. Yeah, none of it made sense. At some point, his publicist, who is Darcy Carden, shows up. She's a terrible person. She kind of drags him out. And she... She wants Julie to sign an NDA, and she's very condescending. She's like, it's like a promise that you're not going to post anything on social media about him or whatever. And she's like, I wouldn't do that to him. She's like, oh, honey, uh, you know, he makes women fall in love with him. Like, that's why he's so, you know, he's so charismatic. That's why he's so successful. Okay, bye. Yeah. And he leaves, and she's sad. And then at the end, he comes back. Well, which, I think... Ha- how? We, I don't know. Yeah, I, oh, we I, don't know how. And, and at some point, they have a fight that turns into a kiss which was very weird to me but he says you should go to columbia and like i want to help you out and i can pay for a nurse for your mom and she finds this unacceptable yeah well, i'm just they... you're just a tourist to our little town like what <laughs> chill yeah. 
All the conflict in this movie, almost all the conflict in this movie, I was like, what is this? This is not how people fight. Like, it's like, no. what? And then later she's like having this conversation with her mom. And, and I think I teared up a little bit this at this, but it was also like not really how these conversations go. I mean, there was part of it where the mom was like, you're allowed to be mad at me. It's okay. Right. Which was yeah. very like, I felt very like that felt very true to me. But yeah, then the daughter's like, not everything is like your perfect Christmas elf village, which is a plot point we don't need to get into. But like, it was just, it was such like a screenwritery or like bad authory way of people having a fight. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's not actually how people fight, but whatever. Yeah. So she's gonna go. I mean, at the end, like she's gonna go to Colombia. I think, right? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, she, I mean, yeah. She said, "I can't get a deferral because I would lose my scholarship, and so I'm not gonna go." And her mom was like, "Well, did you just decide this on your own, or were you gonna actually ask me about it?" And her mom actually, I thought, was a pretty cool character because in that moment when they're having the fight, she's like, "Look." Life is going to throw you all kinds of things that you can't prepare for, like sickness and divorce and all these things. But, like, when life gives you something good, like, you should go for it. Like, you should go to Columbia. You should live your... Should your life is to be lived. Like, you don't have yes, to Yes, I think that was where I teared up, by the way. Yeah, you know. I mean, but, but that's a... That, to me, is a, like, an honest sentiment that I think, like, you know, you want to hear from a parent in a time like that. And yes, so exactly. I thought that was very. I thought that was affecting, but I I thought that the relationship between Julie and Miles, <laughs> I'm just gonna call, his name yeah. honestly should have been Miles. Like that's a cooler name than Stuart by far. Yeah. But anyway, so that's plot point number one. Plot number one. Boy, so oh they boy. get to, they get together at the end, and he's like, you. She's like, so are any plans to come to New York? And he's like, when does Columbia start? And like, that's it. I guess they don't. And they don't say any other words. And it's sort of like. I mean, my response would have been like, you don't know what the academic year is. <laughs> You're not Probably aware not. of us. Probably not. didn't go to college. <laughs> no, but it's just, you know, the answer is August or September. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're not aware of a standard academic year, sir. Anyway. Right. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, so, okay, let's get into the let's get into the plot that probably hit Brianna most in the feels, which Ooh. is... Uh, <laughs> the boy and the girl who've been BFF since... They were knee-high to grasshoppers. This is... I saw these two on screen, and I was like, yep. I was like, this is, a, you know, a, a version of my life, and also <laughs> probably the girl that, were I a teenager today, I would be, like, on Tumblr, like, you know, gift-setting her whole situation. I don't think they're on Tumblr. I think they're on TikTok now. I, yeah, I would be TikToking the night away about <laughs> Angie, who has a nickname because she was only friends with boys. And I was like, yep, this is just bring on my life. So this is the cer- certainly the John Greeniest of all of the plots. It also mm-hmm. arguably works the best. It also arguably is maybe the least realistic. <laughs> I think maybe the maybe the Miles Morales one is less realistic, but this one yeah, I was like, yeah, this does not. This is this is every teenager's fantasy, right? Of of this sort of situation, and it mm-hmm. never yes. actually works out like this. Never, ever, 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 ever. It's in also, any case, it's also very. It's a it's a plot we've seen a lot. At least I've seen it a lot. It reminded me a lot of Juno. 
It reminded me a lot of Snow Day. This whole movie reminded me of Snow Day, but that's but that's nobody's seen that except for you. (laughs) Everybody should watch Snow Day. So we've got we've got we've got skinny emo boy, and we've and Tobin. Okay, whatever. And we've got the Duke. That's her nickname. Yes, which is and it is. It's a great nickname. And they basically. They've been BFFs forever, and they're just like we're their bros or whatever. This yeah. is like this is hitting right Brianna right in the gut. This and- is like this is yes. <laughs> this might as well have been like my autobiography. Yeah. Yes. And his best friend, who's the best friend from Far From Home, Spider Man Far From Home, is yeah. like Tobin. You got to tell her how you feel, and he's like, I'm going to tell her today. And then they just revolve around each other the whole day. They go to a party. The party. She's kind of getting invited to places by this college kid who I think, you know, they're all like seniors in high school. So this is a guy who went to college maybe two years before. Yeah. So he's just a couple years older than them. So she's getting a J- JT. JP. She's getting, she's get JP. Yeah. Like JP Morgan. Okay. And <laughs> James she- Pierpont college student. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> So she's getting invited to all these parties with JP by JP, who's like the very cool sort he, of feminine feminist. I He's, loved him. I know I he like, was he was the most desirable man in this movie for I sure. Agree. <laughs> I was like, I had a moment where I was, you know, we're gonna go through this plot, but I had a moment where I was like, a few years ago, I think I would have been on the side of the Tobin. emo Tobin, but now as like a thirty-one-year-old woman, I'm like. I'm like, no, 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 get with that college boy. He's, he's going to be a lot better for you in the long run, I think, sweetie. Yes, I agree. But, but so they're just kind of going around town. And I will admit, there's this one scene where they, they're, they're running, they're on the run from these lunkhead twins who they stole a keg from. It doesn't matter. They go into, <laughs> they go into a church and Tobin sits down at the organ, which, is this true? Can you, if you know how to play piano, can you play a pipe organ? I have is no that, idea. Is that a fact? <laughs> in any case. No idea. I will admit, they start playing this song that I was like, is that a, is that like a song? And I looked it up. It's called The Hole of the Moon. It's from 1985, which I was like, hey, John Green, these are teenagers now today in 2019. (laughs) They weren't even born when this song came out. You know that that was like on a mixtape that he gave some girl. Yes! It was so on a mixtape he gave some girl. And I was like, you don't get to do this, but he gets to do whatever he wants. He's... You know, a very successful author. I will admit, though, that song is good. I have listened to it multiple times today. Oh, all right. It's very, it's very romantic. I mean, they they kind of you know they're singing it acoustically, and 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 they, their voices aren't very good, which is kind of actually like nice. It's more realistic, but yeah, yeah. I recommend it. The whole of the moon. It's on Amazon. You know, streaming music. In any case. So, you know, they're, like, singing together, but then she kind of, like, dances for a minute with the college kid, and he gets very sulky and goes and sits in his car that's sitting in a snowbank. He sits there for hours? I mean, the sun sets while he's in that car. I was like, this is how people die. I mean, I mean that very seriously. This is how people die. Yeah, you, freeze being, to, you freeze to death in your car. He's being a real... Yeah. Defer. She... She... she confronts him and is like what are you like jealous of jp and he's like yeah i'm jealous of jp like okay fine whatever and she's like okay fine have it your way i will at least admit that i was like that is at least an argument that i can see two people having yeah and it's a (laughs) very that was realistic it's a very high school kind of way to yes to not work out your feelings and all that stuff. so i thought that was a 
a realistic fight that you would have, but um, yeah, he does sort of just sulk out there for hours because hours, <laughs> and then eventually gets rescued by. Joan Cusack wearing tinfoil, who is the... She drives the snowplow <laughs> around yes. town all day. That's her job. That's her job. Um, eventually, yeah. Tobin and the Duke end up on the roof. So everything culminates at the awful town yes. slash waffle town. Yes. Eventually, Tobin and the Duke end up there. And he's like, I'm in love with you and I want to grow old with you. Which I was like, everybody slow the F down. <laughs> You are 17 American years old. (laughs) I just mean Gregorian. (laughs) Thank you. You are 17 Gregorian years old. You are not allowed to say that. (laughs) But whatever. He says it. He also says, um, when I saw you with JP, I wanted to murder him. Yeah, he sure does. I had a... So I had a moment because I was I saw them on screen like the first minute they were on screen. And I was like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen in this plot. I'm already there. And I was like rooting for it, you know, because you're supposed to. And also because this is my autobiography. And <laughs> and then when he says, like, I'm in love with you, I was like, oh, and then he goes. And when I saw you with JP, I wanted to murder him. And I was like, oh, red flag, <laughs> red flag. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. We don't get to say that about a person who has been nothing but kind to you all day and you don't own anybody in this situation. And like, I, I that's why I was sort of like backing off the Tobin train because I was like, you don't get, like, no, it was bad. Maybe that seems romantic, but it's not. I think it seems romantic to you if you're 17, but it's not really in real life. Maybe. And then she's like, I didn't want to admit it's you. It's always been you. Ah! And then they kiss and it's whatever. I, like, it's, you want to like it more than you do. You know? I, I agree. And I also just, like, I I, I saw this, I certainly saw it with you, but I saw it with plenty of kids when we were that age. Like, this is not a thing that happens. It's not like you're you're friends since you were in short pants, and then you get to be a teenager, and, like, there's this dramatic confession of, like, this is not, this is not a thing. I I, I certainly think that it can happen, but I I don't think that... You know, it's certainly not seamless, and I think oftentimes it's imbalanced. You have the more realistic version is you have one friend who's like been holding on to their feelings, and the other friend just thinks they're broke. Oh, that's that's a hundred percent of these yeah. relationships. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent of these relationships are the one person has feelings and the other one doesn't. Zero percent is mutual unspoken feelings that's my stance i mean like just from personal observation and then there's the other like you know small very small percentage where you just genuinely are platonic with each other and because this trope exists in every movie and every book and every tv show nobody actually believes you which has also been my life um I mean, like, I'll be, I'll be honest that I, I've dated a very small number of people and I've been friends with all of them before we dated. But this notion of, oh, we've been friends for 12 years or whatever, like that's, you know, at some point, I don't know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hold water for me. And also, I think it's way, it's a way more difficult uh, move to execute when you're a teenager. Sure. But also when you're a teenager, your orbit is so small that you know that is person it though prob- 
that person probably, I mean, they live in like, whatever, tiny Illinois town. That's true. But I felt like I had, I had more access to, you know, people I could date when I was in high school or college than I had in any other time. Now, this did not ever equate for me in high school to having someone to date. (laughs) (laughs) They were not interested in that outcome. The boys of the high school had taken a pledge to not touch this with a 10-foot pole. Well, but there were hundreds, But there were hundreds of them. You know what I mean? Like, that. when does that ever happen in your life? Except in school. I just, I think this is a much smaller town. But yeah, that's I mean. That's true, that's true, that's true. But anyway, yeah, I mean, so I think you're right. Like, I, I saw this coming. I wanted to like it more than I actually did. It's so much less charming than To All the Boys I've Loved Before. We could just say that, right? If you watched To All the Boys I Loved Before and you were like, oh, I really am rooting for her and Peter? Peter? Yes. Peter? Yes. I'm yes. really rooting for her and Peter? Like, this is not that yeah. at all. This is not yeah. that. Yeah. But it happens. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. And then there is the thread of the waitress at the Waffle House. Uh-huh. Who hooked up with a girl somehow. We never know how they met. We have no idea how they met. I mean, they go to high school together. But it seems like they're running very they... different circles. Yeah. So it's, it's super unclear. But they, like, stayed up all night. And they hooked up. And they talked all night. And they had the super intense, deep connection. And we learn at the end of the movie that... So it's the waitress and the dancer. That's I don't know what their names are. And so I don't Dory, care. To, I don't. So Dory is the waitress. The crush never gets a name, as far as I know. Wow. Okay. Okay. She's a dancer. She's like on the school dance team. So the waitress is out to her parents, legitimately out as a lesbian to her parents. The dancer, apparently when they hooked up, told the waitress that she was out to her parents, but then it comes out at the end of the movie, she's never been out to anybody. Yeah. So, I mean... And, and she's friends with who we believe, who we who we see throughout the movie to be kind of stereotypical mean girls. Yes. Or so oh, we the dance. I heard the dance team. The yeah. dance team is at this, at this awful town. Yeah. So, dancer comes into the awful town. Uh, her crush hookup, whatever, is working. So, so the waitress comes over, kind of like tries to talk to the girl she hooked up with and it super doesn't go well. And that's basically the whole, this just happens over and over again. There's one point at which the two of them intersect in the bathroom and then the dancer kind of pulls the waitress in for like a super intense kiss, which I was like, yes, I am here for this. (laughs) Right. This is so adorable, but they just keep having this sort of like antagonistic, apparently sort of response to the way cold. Yeah. So finally, you know, the waitress gets a pep talk from her best friend about whom more later. Yeah. I actually really liked this pep talk. I thought it was great. Yeah. The friend is like, you're great. And if this girl can't see that and just can't like, just forget her, like drop her or whatever. So the waitress says to the dancer, you know, that essentially like, I don't need to put up with your, you know, you've been treating me really terribly all day and I don't know what your problem is, but like enough already. And the dancer admits that she's not out to anybody and the waitress is shocked by this. And I was like, I- I'm sorry, was that not your first? I mean, that was my first assumption. Was that not your first assumption? If I am a queer teenager and I hook up with someone and then I see them later and they are pretending like they don't know me, I'm like, oh, she's not out to all these people at this table. That was my immediate assumption. Um, I 
I thought maybe it was... I actually thought it was that her friends, like, you know, she had, like, a persona with her friends and that her, you know, this girl is... The, the girl who is the, like, main character that we're following in this thread is, I think, you know, kind of awkward and, like, works in a, the service industry job. And I could kind of see this sort of, like, clicky group of girls kind of, like, making fun of the girl who works at the waffle place. So I thought maybe... I just... It felt like Occam's razor to me. Yeah, This girl's pretending she doesn't know you. Like, she's not out to these girls. Like, (laughs) that seems really obvious to me. But apparently it was a huge revelation to the waitress at the end of the movie. And... But then they get their happy ending, which is that she's like, but, you know, like, I'm sorry, I've been so terrible to you. And I just, like, I just want to, you know, I just want to see where this goes. And they kiss. And then all of her dancer friends are watching at the window and you see they're all, like, cheering and clapping and holding up their hands in little hearts. And I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm completely naive. But I think in the year of our Lord, the year of our uh, Lakshmi and Lord 2019. <laughs> the, the year um, of our regular Jesus 2019. <laughs> yes, thank you. I think that a bunch of teenage girls are not going to be down on, you know, lesbianism. <laughs> I I think that that generation is past that. And I'm not saying that that's universally true in every community. I get it. But, like, this has not been shown to be a bigoted community, right? <laughs> like, I... Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. No, I, I see what She you was mean. worried about her friends, like, reacting badly. And I was like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I think there are maybe, like, different definitions of... Or, or different versions of supportive or different versions of that that you could potentially get. I mean, this does, for all intents and purposes, what we see of this community is that, like, if you have one girl who's in high school who can be out to to the school and to her parents and everything, like, you know, and, and she, as a, as a le- out lesbian character, has not said, oh, it's been really hard for me. And you right. also see this, like, interfaith, kumbaya right like, that's exactly what i was talking about thank you like this is a this is a, a seems like a community that's very accepting so yeah i mean everybody has their like personal journeys but i do think that in in the year of our regular jesus 2019 in this kind of community <laughs> yeah you probably would or i would have believed it if maybe like you know she hadn't told like she had told maybe like if 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 dancer girl crush had said I told like one girl and it and like she told me it was a phase so I've been kind of like mm. you know once again there are so many plots that you don't really dive deeply enough into any of these one characters yes. to get it's very superficial everywhere so so yeah I mean her being scared of of the repercussions of coming out doesn't really make sense, but we don't, we're just sort of gleaning from little bits. Um, but I did think it was cute that all of her friends were cheering at the window. I thought that was sweet. It was cute. Yeah. And then the last thread is the most sort of aimless and confusing. Uh, there's a girl who looks like Michelle Trachtenberg. She so <laughs> I was like, who's, is that Michelle Trachtenberg? Michelle, Michelle Tra- Trachtenberg was in Snow Day, everyone. So, <laughs> Oh my God. She's a little wheels sister. within wheels. <laughs> 
So, yeah, in my head, she was either Michelle Trachtenberg or Dawn, of course, Michelle Trachtenberg's character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know her real name. I don't care to know it. She's the she's the best Addie. friend. Okay, fine. Now she's Addie. So Addie <laughs> is the best friend of the waitress. Addie has a plot that I don't know why it needed to exist, but sure. Okay, fine. She is obsessed with her boyfriend, like, not texting her back and not telling her where he's going and hanging out with other girls. And she goes to Awful Town to find him and he's sitting there with some friends and she's like, why didn't you text me back? And he's like, because I'm allowed to hang out with my friends without telling you where I am. And one of the girls he's with calls her, calls Addie a psycho, which is super aggro crag. And <laughs> Addie dumps a strawberry milkshake on her, which I was like, and it was kind of funny, actually. The dancers were like, <gasps> like they were watching this like drama yeah. being like, did she just call her a psycho? Yeah, <laughs> like, that was she funny. dumps the strawberry milkshake like, oh, she did it. Like, that, that, was, that, was, really... that was legit funny. That was funny, yeah. And then she kind of wanders around town in a bereft manner. And she gets picked up by Joan Cusack, who wrests her phone from her because she's so obsessed with the phone. Oh, the millennials. These, I don't even think these kids are millennials. They're Generation no, no. Omega Z. or whatever we're calling them. We've had, a, you know, we've had, you've had a, a, a rant, rant. I know before. before. I know. They're Gen Z, but I don't yeah. know what to call them. That nobody's come up with a good name for them. I refuse to call them Generation Z. That's not a real thing. So Generation just, Omega is better. Uh, yeah, it's way better. <laughs> So she's just like, you know, Joan Cusack rests the phone from her and accidentally throws it out the window where it immediately gets run over. And so she doesn't have her phone. And and she has a showdown with the, the waitress, who's her best friend. And the waitress is like, stop being so self-centered and crazy. And she kind of wanders around in a daze. And then she gets the waitress a pig, which is a <laughs> thing that's between them, like a little t- a tiny teacup pig, you know. That's in the window of a store. I love that she goes, it's an apology pig. And I was like, that's cute. (laughs) But the waitress was going to get it for her. And then she gets it for the waitress. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird. I didn't understand that part at all. I'm sure if you read the book, it makes sense. And she just got, so this is just a, it's supposed to be a story of her personal growth. Although it doesn't seem like she actually personally grows all that much. Yeah, she does. You don't see her actually break up with the boyfriend. Nope. Although I think they are broken up now. Yeah, yeah. you you throw a milkshake on a girl, them that's a, a a fireable offense. And I think there is a moment towards the end where she's she making eyes around. at JP College, yeah, she, J, John Pierpont College student. <laughs> so she's looking for her pig, much the way that that Kristen Bell is looking for her lizard in that episode of The Good Place. Oh, so And great. she's like, hey, have you seen my pig? And she keeps, like, asking people. And the, one of the dance team girls is like, you mean, like, in general, have I seen a pig? And I was like, oh, my God. And then, <laughs> this is pretty good. <laughs> and, then, and then she runs into James Pierpont, college student. Like... <laughs> and they seem to be making eyes at each other, which I was like, that makes sense because the... The one of the lines that really did make me laugh was from JP when he's in the car with Tobin and the Duke, and they're yelling at the car to like start so that they can get away from the two lunkheads. And um, you know they're like, like don't be a little. I'm gonna use our our cursing rules. Like don't be a little bench like to the car. Like come on, you got to start. Don't be a bench. And uh, 
JP is like, hey, uh, I know this is just a car, but like, I'm a feminist, so can we tone this down? <laughs> I loved, I loved that. By the way, I loved and it. So I, you know, when she makes eyes at him at the end, I was sort of like, oh, that's a nice like, because her like the the best friend is basically saying to her, why are you spending all this time and energy? They have sort of similar situations in some ways because both of them have to realize like why are you spending all this time and energy on somebody who doesn't appreciate you or doesn't show their affection for you and so the waitress gets it resolved by actually having like a conversation about you know her wants and needs and the other person's sexuality and the problem is that Addie doesn't have that with her boyfriend and they don't have a scene that's like, hey, this isn't working for me and I'm not happy and you don't appreciate me. She has instead a conversation with Joan Cusack about like you kids and your phones. You kids and your phones. My favorite conversation. I know, seriously. I mean, I will say Joan Cusack was giving me very big Cherry Jones and Black Mirror energy. (laughs) Very, very big energy. Very big placebo boulevard energy. (laughs) Oh, the greatest thing we've ever created. (laughs) And so, yeah, I didn't think that that wrapped up particularly. And there's there's a much, much less, there's a much smaller thread, which is best friend from Spider-Verse is trying to get a party started and... He, he does eventually get the party started. He can't do it at his house because his parents actually aren't going out of town because their flight is canceled. He goes to work and somehow gets the idea that he could have the party at the Waffle Town, even though it is his place of employment. And <laughs> Even I though it's a functioning restaurant? Like, what? I was like... Are you not going to get fired for this? What's up with well, that? Well, no, his, his immediate supervisor is that very chill dude. Oh, I thought they were at the same level, but I guess not. No, I think he was like the shift manager. You know what I mean? Okay. Like he's not, he doesn't, he's not owner operator. He's not like the chief manager, but he is like, he's not in high school anymore. This is He's not in high school, but he's not legally old enough to buy beer as we find out because he's, because. That's a good point. But I think you can become shift supervisor. If you graduate from high school and you're not going anywhere and you're working full time at a waffle factory, I think that you can make shift supervisor within two years. Sure. I, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying that, like, very little adult supervision for any of these children in this movie. Very little. The, the guy, we find out that this guy's not old enough to buy beer because uh, Keon, who is the guy who from Spider Verse, says. Can you go to a liquor store and get me some booze for this party? And he says, well, I can't go back there because, you know, I wear my disguise, but they always figure out it's me. Yeah. That guy was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it all culminates at the Waffle Town party and everybody has their threads. It seems of. like a legitimate good party where nobody is being uncool or hurting anybody. I was like, this is the rare teenage party where I'm like, okay, you kids, like, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, they're all just happy, having a good time. It's Christmas Eve. None of them apparently have family obligations. Yeah, I mean, that's weird, right? (laughs) If it had been Christmas Eve Eve, I would have bought it, right? Nobody cares where you are on December 23rd. But, like, there's nobody who had to go to midnight mass? There's nobody who had, like, an awkward dinner with their, you know, grandparents or nothing, nothing doing. It's Uh, weird. Yeah, it is. (laughs) You know, and that's the other thing with Addie is that 
her mom isn't around, and there's no explanation. No explanation on this. None. None. I mean, she could be, like, is she an opioid addict who's sleeping on the streets? Is she a high-powered businesswoman who's always flying off to Japan? Like, what is, what? (laughs) What? We never know. I mean, it's, it's touted as the explanation for, like, why she is the way she is. Like, why she's seeking so much sort of approval from romantic partners, which I think is like, okay, fine, that's a perfectly fine pop psychology explanation for something. But, like, where is this girl's mother? (laughs) She is a minor child. (laughs) Yeah, we only get one, we get two sets of, two parents in this movie. One of them is Keon's parents, who we see for five seconds, saying, Five seconds. You can't have a party here because our flight got canceled. And And we're very disappointed. I mean, the disappointment is expressed through facial expressions. (laughs) Yes. And then the only other parent is Julie's mom, who has unnamed affliction. Unnamed affliction. (laughs) And Julie also has a grandfather who lives with them. But nobody else gets Uh, a family. I just, like, any... So this is, like, four or five plots... And, like, maybe two of them you could have made make sense. And it's it's trying it's almost trying to be, like, love actually for teenagers or something. Yeah, maybe that's, that's not fair. Yeah, that's the vibe I got. I hate love actually, though, so. So do I. I don't know. It, there, it, everything was just so... The, the plot, certainly the plot that got the most attention lavished on it was Tobin and the Duke. That was the only one you where you actually felt like, okay, these are people with lives that we're just sort of getting a glimpse into rather than, I don't know anything about these people. And and these people seem to exist only for the purpose of delivering these lines. And then... <laughs> yeah, they vanish. Then they vanish. I, look, mm. I mean, I think probably if we could do some script doctoring here. Oh, please. This is my favorite thing. Okay, so let's, let's dive into this. Because I think probably... First, what? we keep the song. There's a song that the Shemikmore... It's a Christmas song, yeah. It's, he, that he plays, that he's always singing, it's always playing, keep the song. That's my keep first note. So that's actually, I would actually, because there's no explanation as to why this huge pop star is in this tiny town, other than he's like, I don't know, I didn't want to go on my tour bus. It's like, so, that's not a... These guys should both be ghosts. <laughs> no, so I was going to say, I would... I would make this a Shamik Moore's character is doing like a special Christmas concert. Oh, like a con it's a Conrad Birdie situation. So kind of, but I would say instead of having the party at the waffle house be the thing that we're trying to get everybody to have it be that Shamik Moore is doing, who is, you know, this huge pop star is doing this concert and you know, all of, the relationships that we see along the way are like, you know, they all end up, instead of at the Waffle House having a party, they all end up at the concert. Because okay. that, that would give Shamik more a reason to be in this town. And That's a, a great first step, sure. And, and a reason to, you know, maybe all the other girls at school are like freaking out over Shamik more. Because that's the other thing, like a couple people want to take a picture with him, but he's not being mobbed. You know, everybody's being like very, very cool about it. But if you think about something like Bye Bye Birdie, right? Like, every girl is falling all over herself. So maybe Julie's at school, they announce this concert, and she's like, oh, he's so overrated. And everybody else is like, oh my god, we have to go see Stuart! Apparently that's his name. (laughs) And 
And, but somehow, like, you know, then they can run into each other a little bit more naturally. It makes sense for him to be there. She's not on an Amtrak train for no reason. Wow, they really did not explain that, did they? <laughs> no, they really definitely defo did not. And I guess then... she's coming back from visiting her dad, if I had to guess. No, she said her dad walked out. So, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have parental rights. I guess, yeah. So maybe, yeah, but they don't really explain that. So that I think would give them a little bit more. And then, you know, it gives them a place to go. Like, I, I kind of get the Waffle House, they're the Waffle Town thing, because it's kind of the, like, small town hub. But I think you could kind of, you could get rid of Keon and Keon's whole thing entirely because his whole thing is how to get this party started. And it doesn't really, that has, that plot has no juice to it whatsoever. Cause he keeps no. saying like, oh, this, this DJ is going to show up and then he never does. So I would say if you I want... actually thought towards the end when he was like, uh, DJ Khaled, whoever it is actually is. <laughs> DJ... DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled. <laughs> we the best music. No, another he... one. <laughs> another one. Another one. I... <laughs> I thought Shamik Moore was going to come into a set at the Waffle Town. Wow, that also would have been a great script doctor. No, but I actually thought at some point I was like, oh, he's gay and this... And this DJ is like a guy in the... No, 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 no. There's, there's no, no depth to that plot. It's, it's literally it's just, I thought, just... I thought this guy was going to come. He didn't come. The end. It's basically just he's like waiting for Acid Cat. And the Acid Cat never shows up. <laughs> so then I would say if you want to have Keon's character be an aspiring DJ, he could want to get close to Shimi character. Sorry. DJ... <laughs> Keon. Uh, he has a DJ name in the movie, but I don't remember it. It's terrible. I don't remember it. But you could have him. I would say, like, your orbit has to be around Shamik Moore. It's it's like in a goofy movie when everybody is revolving around power lines. Do, 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 Among the greatest movies of the 90s. Because all those characters end up either at the concert or watching the concert. You kind of get their whole deal. Yes. So if you want Keon's character to have, oh, I'm trying to throw this party. I want to, like, make it with my music. Maybe he wants to get close to Shamik more so he can give him a demo tape. And he maybe he gets sure. called up on stage to, like, do something at the end with him. Right? Because they're cool. all friends. I'm loving this movie you're writing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what should we do with the other, so we've, so what left, we've got, uh, my autobiography and we've got, um, the lesbian BFFs. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you, if you want to center this all around a concert, right, it can be who asks whom to the concert, who sits with whom at the concert, I guess. Yeah. 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 I would maybe, oh, so maybe for the, for Addie. Maybe she's really looking forward to going to the concert with her boyfriend and her boyfriend invites the other girl instead. Mm. Or or in addition, you know, it turns in out addition, being like it's more of a it's more of a friend group thing than a date thing. And which she gets really I remember and, I remember that as a teenager. Oh, totally. I mean that is the the pure teenage Ooh. move. So maybe yeah. we do we have that and then, you know, best friend, uh lesbian best friend Dory. Maybe she instead of I don't know. Maybe she's like stuck working instead of going to the concert mm. or something like that. And, or I, I, that doesn't really give her a, 
But I don't think you can retain all of the storylines. I don't think it's possible. No, it's I don't too, think so especially it, it was already bordering on too long. I'm sorry if it's a Netflix original movie, I would like it to cut off at 90 minutes exactly. It if was not like 133. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Although a lot of that was credits, but yeah, it still felt like it was getting long in the tooth towards the end. Yeah, and I, yeah. you can't, you cannot keep all those storylines. You can't. You have to no. cut. You have to cut at least one, and I would argue probably. Be better to cut two. <laughs> yeah, like you gotta, you gotta, you just gotta tighten things up because what works in a book, okay. Although I bet you it doesn't work that well, even in yeah. the book. What yeah, works I mean, okay in a book just does not work in a compressed, you know, visual format. Yeah, and I would say probably for Tobin and the Duke, it would be like I got these tickets for the two of us, and I'm gonna tell her tonight, and like this is really special. Like, this is going to be really special. It's going to be really romantic. And turns out she's got an invitation from the college kid. Or or she's deciding not to go in order to, like, go to the college kid. Whatever. But I think you could center it around something that puts Shamik more at the center of it. Because what we don't ever get, which I was kind of shocked by, we don't ever get, like, a live rendition of that song that's really, like... Jeez, that's weird. Now that you say it out loud, I mean, thank you for for really bringing your screenwriter brain to, to the table tonight. <laughs> because, you. like, it it's crazy. You see him in a recording studio at the very beginning, but he's not singing. It's a radio interview. Because the yeah. isn't it a radio interview? Because so they yes. play the song. This is, and that's by the way that's. That can be standard for a radio interview that they pay, they play the recorded version and then they interview. But it's also perfectly standard for a radio interview for them to do the song live. Like, it's yeah. like 50-50. Yeah. So they play the song and the guy says, what are you doing for Christmas? And he's like, oh, I'm still figuring it out. Ha ha ha. So now we know, okay, something's up with this guy. And then at the end, I for sure thought he's going to come back and do like... You know, if this party's at Waffle Town, he's going to get up Why? on the How did they counter. miss that extremely obvious I have no idea. ending to the movie where he gets up? Like, is that... Because they do have that moment. The best friend from Spider-Man has that moment with his manager of like, oh, is that Stuart Little? And <laughs> the... Whatever his name is. And yeah. and the manager being like, oh, yeah, he was here earlier. And that's the moment, right? Where you get him to like be like... Hey guys, as long as I'm here, like, this Christmas is the best one because I, it's the first one that I love you. I don't remember how the song goes exactly, but it's, it's something yeah. like that. Well, yeah. so they actually set it up where Julie's at Waffle Town and the song comes on and she says, you know, I used to hate this song and now I love this song because obviously she has feelings for him. And then he, in the actual movie, he approaches her and is like, hey, girl. And then they kind of have that, like, conversation while the song is playing in the scene. Right. My, my thought was, oh, it's not a recording. He's singing it live and he's serenading her. Oh, wow. And Another amazing and, change. And that's a that's You're the killing it tonight, Brianna. <laughs> Thank you. That's the change is... He's, it's not a recording. He has come back. He wants to do a grand romantic gesture for her. So he Very has, 10 things I hate about you. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, oh, this is very 10. I was like, this is 10 things. He's, 
He's serenading her. He's going to get the marching band. I thought the you know, these girls are a dance team. I was like, get them to do a backup they never dance, dance number for you. Right. They never get the, dance. Get them to do a backup dance number for you while you're singing about your love for this girl who you met 12 hours ago. And, yeah. you know, like, let's all close out with, like, a rendition of, you know, this Christmas is the best Christmas because it's the first Christmas I loved you. Which I think is the title of this song. <laughs> So I th- I think that's how I would d- have done it. I would have either had, you know, kept most of this intact, but then had his big musical number at the end, or shaved off some of the stuff and built it all around like a concert at this place to give him a reason to be in this town. Because him following her off the train, I think that you're correct that it's only cute because Shamik Moore is adorable and he seems yeah. very non-threatening. But if this were you know, somebody else in the music business that, like, had a little bit more of an edge to them, I could see that being, like, kind of predatory. Yeah, that breaks bad real fast. I mean, yeah. so, to, to my mind, like, easy script doctoring is the fir- the the thing you said about him serenading her at the end, obviously better ending, like, in- astoundingly better ending. Yeah. And two, just take Addie out of the picture altogether. Just, like, cut her out completely. Yeah. And make make uh, the waitress's best friend be the best friend from Spider-Man. Like, just tighten that up. You don't need this extra character. Yeah, you know, he's there. They can they work together. They can be BFFs. Who cares? And they right? do have a relationship within the movie because they are working a ship together as she is, like, her best friend arguably is absent for the biggest growth that she has in the movie, which is... I'm putting myself out there with this girl and the girl is rejecting me. And who is the person who's there for her during that is best friend from Spider-Man. Right. So I think you're right. I think you could just get rid of Addie entirely. Yeah. Whose plot is what if phones, but too much. What if phones, but too much. I don't think you need Joan Cusack at all. No, I don't. No, <laughs> she does a voiceover at the beginning and a voiceover at the end. And she drives Addie around. She wears tinfoil. It is never revealed why. No, never revealed why. And that's it. She do- it's not like I mean, if at least look, if you're going to do this to me movie, at least make it so that like she's actually secretly an angel at the end. Right, exactly. You know, like give her a little bit of holiday sparkle or she you know, she's assumed into the North Pole or something. Right. <laughs> like you, she's just a crazy lady driving around. By the way, she's just driving around in a tow truck. Like, that's not how this works. At some point, she's like, I got a call from dispatch about some guy, you know, some idiot or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's why you, that's why your tow truck is supposed to stay in one place. And then you go out when the dispatch tells you to go out. You're not just wasting gas driving around in circles in this little town, Right. There's no explanation of her character at all. So in, I know I keep bringing up Snow Day because it is the... I want her to be Della Reese and touched by an angel. Well, that's, so in in Snow Day, they have a character named Snowplow Man who's played by Chris Elliott. And wow. Whatever happened to that guy? Uh, he's on Schitt's Creek. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's, he, Snowplow Man is played by Chris Elliott and Snowplow Man has a role in the movie because... This uh, snow day is centers around one family. So so like all the members of the family have different roles, but it doesn't do like eight or nine different you know characters. Uh, it has one family, and there's three kids, two parents, 
and their plots all kind of like intersect and all that kind of stuff. But the middle sister, who is Michelle Trachtenberg, or is it Michelle Trachtenberg? Yeah, I think so. She and her friends are like, it's a snow day. And they're like, snowplow man is going to come plow, plow all the streets. We have to stop him so that we could get the legendary second snow day. So he has a point driving around because he's the antagonist and these three like <laughs> tweens are trying to stop him from plowing all the streets. That's his role in the movie. He's not there to be helpful, but he's also not a mystery. Like he he's a kind of a mythical character. They're like, "Ooh, snowplow man, like I'm so scared of him." But he has a role in the movie other than just like, you know, showing up every now and again. I for sure thought she was an angel or she was not real or whatever because it doesn't, she doesn't, you don't need her in the plot of the story because she's essentially a tow truck driver who's like, sometimes you just got to let it snow, even though we have no idea why her character is a, a tow truck driver. And if you're a tow truck driver, you don't want it to snow because there are going to be a way more accidents for you to, to. Well, I mean, I guess that's how you make your living. I it's, guess that's true. It's fine. But yeah, there, yeah, there's no moment with, I mean, I mean, let Joan Cusack go to the party at the end or something. <laughs> like, or like, or has to give, or maybe she has to give Shamik Moore a ride. Right. Because his, because his car, you know, his car service or whatever, Darcy Carden's like, no, you can't go back to this town. He's like, I will go back to this town. And he goes back and then he's like, I can't get an Uber because we do see at some point that the Ubers aren't running because, and the buses aren't running because of the snow. Snowing. Although it seems like a very light snow. And he's just like, how am I going to get back to Awful Town? And then Joan Cusack comes and picks him up and, like, maybe they have a little duet or something. I don't know. I would like, love that. I would love that. She was so... She only existed to talk to phone-addicted teenager. And, like, She why? did rescue Emo Tobin as well. Yeah, but that doesn't need to be in the movie. Right. right. No, I agree. <laughs> like, I agree. at some point, you know... Uh, yeah. It's I think, a, we, I think it's a very we a better flawed. Movie. It's a very flawed movie, and it's not. It's not bad, and it's not unenjoyable. It's just like it doesn't feel like the greatest amount of care went into making this, right? It feels no. like Netflix was like cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. Let's license a bunch of or get uh, you know screenwriters to write a bunch of cheap because this was a very this would have been very cheap to make. I mean, like. Aside from paying the talent, like this movie is nothing. I'm pretty <laughs> like, sure. I'm pretty sure they shot in Pittsburgh because I was in Pittsburgh uh, a few months ago, and I'm pretty sure I recognized at the beginning when Julie is at that like Christmas fair. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's at the Pittsburgh Botanical Garden. <laughs> okay, I was, I was like, I recognize. So I think they probably you know cheap filming location and yes, absolutely. A lot of these actors are you know. Shamik Moore and Julie probably would have been the most expensive because Julie is going to be Dora No, Joan Cusack was the most expensive. You think Joan yes. Cusack is more expensive than uh, Miles Morales? Yes, I do. Okay. Well, if she's the most expensive, then like give her something to do. I don't understand why you would waste that character like that. Yeah, no, I don't know. But yeah, most of these actors are fairly green, so you're not going to be spending a ton of money on them. Right. You have you don't have that many locations, no, and like not a lot of interiors, right? Which is sort of the more expensive thing. So 
it's a you know so netflix was just like let's pump out some of these holiday movies that people love to watch and you know just kind of be glued to their netflix all december and it's a little depressing to me that i mean i picked this movie the reason that I picked it is because I read a New York Times article that was like, we're reviewing the like six holiday movies that are currently like the Netflix originals that are currently released on Netflix for 2019. Uh, and we're going to put them in order. And this was number one. No, what? <laughs> yes, this was the best one. Oh, Lord <laughs> almighty. Yeah. Regular Jesus. Come <laughs> save me. <laughs> Regular Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> take the tow truck wheel. <laughs> the other ones were, I mean, they were very short reviews, but it was sort of like ranging from like, well, I guess this is inoffensive to the one at the bottom being like, for the love of God, do not watch Do you remember this. which one that was? I it, I, it was like, I think it was maybe a Christmas Prince 2 or something like that. I'm not oh, totally I sure. Think there's, I think there's a new Christmas Prince movie called The Royal Baby. Yeah, something like that. Is. So I remember the one that was right in the middle, which was the uh, Rob Lowe, Kristen, what's her face from uh, Sex, Sex in the City. City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the two of them have a movie together, a holiday movie, which is apparently like it's it's very it's barely holiday at all. They just kind of shove in a couple holiday scenes to kind of like put it around this time of year. Yeah, but it's all about them going to Africa and how she's like she's a veterinarian and she like saves a baby elephant or something. Which like I would watch that, right? That's fine, but yeah, it, that the was the one that so attractive that you could. Yes, <laughs> but that's. That was, like, number three, <laughs> and oh. Let It Snow was number one, and, like, we are not, we are not in a field of excellence here. <laughs> no, you're so right. Which is, which is interesting to me, because Netflix is also doing some really beautiful, like, A Marriage Story just came out, and that's supposed to be incredible. Netflix has a lot, I mean, there's a lot of genuinely great Netflix original programming, like yes. The Dragon Prince queer eye like there's a lot of great netflix original stuff and it seems like for the holiday movies they just kind of <laughs> they, they they just phone it in they totally phone it in yeah well because i think they know that they can get away with it <laughs> like what are you gonna yeah. do it's december the sun is never coming out <laughs> It's 30 degrees outside. It's windy. You know, the zipper on your coat is broken and you can't find your left mitten. And like you're, you know, you wear also- your boots. You don't know. I'm not done talking. And <laughs> you, you don't want to, you've been invited to 12 holiday parties, but you don't want to make the potato salad you're supposed to be making. And you just want to sit at home in front of your TV and just watch. I mean, look, they have got, they have a Yule log on Netflix. Yeah, they a definitely A video do. of a Yule long they do they know that they can just kind of like (laughs) bunt this you know yeah yeah. i mean the other thing i was gonna say too is if it's holiday programming it also has to be stuff that is like you know i would imagine some family get-togethers you have like people from all age groups in your family you can't have something that's so offensive that like you can't show it to kids like if you're just if you're trying to find something something that everybody can can gather around and watch you know obviously you have the the classics like it's a wonderful life but if you're just like 
you know, okay, we got to find something to keep the kids occupied while Nana and I make Christmas dinner, then like, you know, you, you throw this on and it's non-offensive and everybody gets a happy ending. And so you can just kind of be like, okay, like for an hour and a half, it's not that bad, but you know, we're, we're not (laughs) Netflix colon. It's not that bad. (laughs) It's not that bad. I think we came up with a much better movie though. Yeah, it was mostly you. You really did the heavy lifting tonight. <laughs> it's a collaborative process. So, you know, Shamik Moore, give me a call. Because <laughs> this Christmas is the best one because it's the first one that I love you. No, but seriously, guys, I will use um, Hole of the Moon as either the intro or outro music okay, for this I'll episode. So probably that, probably that outro. So you should probably listen for that. Because it's a legitimately good song. There's actually a lot of legitimately good music in this. Now, in this. They got the Rolling Stones. They had Rock the Casbah. I think they spent yes. money on the music and probably nothing else. The music and yes. Joan Cusack and that was it. Yep. 100%. Uh, what are we doing next week? <laughs> uh, I mean, we either descend further into the depths <laughs> of the Netflix Christmas catalog or Shrug Emoji. I don't know. <laughs> So I mean, I'm we do want to we want to do some Hallmark stuff, right? But you don't have the Hallmark Channel, so it's a little tricky. I will find them if we can figure it out. So, I did send Marissa this, but faithful listeners to the Good Play will know that last year for our Christmas spectacular, uh, we reviewed a, a a show, or I'm sorry, a movie called A Gift to Remember wherein a very charming young girl, uh, young woman, gives a blandly attractive nice guy amnesia and they fall in love. There is a gift to remember too, colon cherished memories, uh, coming out this year. And I'm very excited about it, but that's not for a couple weeks, I don't think. Yeah, they save they save their good ones for closer to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so we have to do that at some point. Yes, um, but I, you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to watching. We'll figure it out. There's all yeah. kinds of Christmas nonsense on Netflix. Yeah, we're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging with us during our script doctoring. <laughs> <laughs> uh until next time, this Christmas is the best one because it's the first one that I love you. We will see you next time, Nativity Rabbis. <laughs> <laughs>